0: What's up? I hope you're having a great day. It is I, Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. All of the Game 1s are officially finished for this year's, you know, conference semifinal rounds. We're going to be talking about those today. Cannot wait to get into it. We're about an hour away from Game 2 in the Bucks and Celtics series when I'm recording this. Can't wait to get into it. But first, Double B, Bruce Buffer. (laughs) Thank you Bruce. Now today's podcast might be a little bit longer as we are breaking down all four game ones starting with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics and so before the playoffs started I made my list of the top 25 players in the playoffs. I had Giannis at number two. That was a mistake. Okay, I'm sorry Giannis. That's on me. I was a little overzealous on my my Kevin Durant stuff. That's on me. My bad. Giannis is undoubtedly the best player in the world. He dominated Game 1 in a whole new way, right? I think that thinking back to last year and how Giannis would play and how he would just kind of assert his will with just kind of backing guys down, getting to within five feet of the bucket, and then scoring, right? Like, that's kind of what I think we know Giannis for. That's who he kind of is in our eyes. And in Game 1, first of all, he did that whenever he wanted but in addition to it, just the playmaking ability that he showed. I mean, he made his teammates so much better, and he has to do that now, right, with Chris Middleton no longer in the lineup with the meniscus sprain. And he just he generated so many open looks for his teammates, and they hit a lot of them, right? Like, that's why they won, right? Grayson Allen coming in off the bench, 4 of 8 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Pat Connaughton, 3 of 6 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Javon Carter, who was huge for them, he was plus 25, Plus 25 when he was on the floor. You know, his defense, just the energy he brings, I thought was really important for Milwaukee in this game. Uh, He was two of four from the field, one of two from three. A lot of open looks generated because of Giannis. Boston threw a ton of different defenders at him, and it did not matter. He was absolutely incredible for that entire game. And on top of that, right, their defense from inside the three-point line was championship-level Having Brook Lopez back in the lineup allows Giannis to do more defensively besides just sit around the rim, right? It allows Giannis to go out onto the perimeter and pressure the ball and force turnovers and do those things. It allows Giannis to be not just a great rim protector, but allows him to also be the great perimeter defender that we know that he is, right? The reason why he won a defensive player of the year trophy. And yeah, so having Brook Lopez back allows them to do so much more defensively. But the reason why they won this game, and the guy who is going to have to continue to play well for for Milwaukee to win this series as a whole is Drew Holiday. Okay, like he finally had a good shooting game. Right, he kind of struggled in round one, but he hit multiple big shots for Milwaukee. He played outstanding defense, as we expect him to. Right, like Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, without a doubt. And he's going to have to continue to shoot well for them to beat Boston. But I thought he played incredible. It's the best game that I've seen him play so far in the playoffs. Now, from kind of the Boston point of view, they didn't shoot the ball great, right? They shot 36% from three, which is okay. Like, that's not a terrible percentage, right? It wasn't like they shot 28% or anything like that. But with how many open looks they had it is very safe to say that they expected to shoot better than what they did. They had a lot of open threes that they would usually make that they didn't make, right? And the Bucs just kind of let them shoot, which, you know, like it worked, okay? Like Boston took 50 threes. I don't think they want to take that many threes in a game. But at the same time, when a lot of them are open, why not take them? So I, it's going to be interesting to see how this strategy works going forward for Milwaukee. If Boston obviously starts knocking down these shots, they're going to have to change – pretty quickly because just looking at this Boston lineup everybody in this lineup except for Robert Williams III can shoot and hit an open three and so you would think that this wouldn't be a great strategy but hey it worked in game one they held them to, to 89 points that's look in today's NBA if you're holding a team below 100 points that's impressive you hold you hold them below 95 that's even more impressive right so yeah we'll we'll see how it works but You know, the shooting is going to come around for Boston. I'm not worried about them missing shots through this entire series. It's probably going to go at least six games, probably seven, right? So at some point, they're going to start knocking down their shots. Where I'm concerned is Jalen Brown did not play well, 4 of 13 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3. Just isn't going to cut it, right? Like, if he's normal Jalen Brown, you know, who's shooting, you know, around 50% from the field, And, you know, 38 to 40% from three, that may be a little generous. But you know what I'm saying? If he hits shots that he usually makes in this game, Boston probably wins, I wouldn't say handily, but they definitely, you know, it's definitely more of a game down the stretch if he's hitting open shots. And he had several of them. Um, But, yeah, so I just, Jalen Brown, he has to be better in order for Boston to win this series, right? Because, you know, if he, you know, chips in 20, you know, in game one, then they probably are able to pull out a victory in that game. Jason Tatum didn't play great either. He was 6 of 18 from the field, but, you know, rightfully so, right? Like, he's clearly the focal point of who the Bucks are trying to stop. And so, yeah, like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the adjustments that Boston makes. I don't know if there are many for them to make in terms of their offense. They just have to knock down open looks. Obviously, they're going to have to figure out some kind of way to defend Giannis. Good luck. They threw so many different defenders at him. It didn't matter. He still walked away with the triple-double. Yeah, it's just that's going to be the key for them. Jalen Brown has to hit shots, and they're going to have to find a way to limit Giannis. And, yeah, so it'll be fun seeing what they do going forward. Moving on, the Heat and the 76ers series. And, oh, man, I just I don't even know what to say about this one. I have the least amount of notes, obviously not having Joel Embiid is a really important thing for the 76ers. They need him to win this series. You know, if he, look, he's supposed to come back game three, but if he doesn't, for some reason, they'll go down 3-0 really, really quickly, right? So the 76ers, without a doubt, need Joel Embiid. That has been established. And Doc Rivers needs to get his head out of his ass, okay, and stop playing DeAndre Jordan, okay? DeAndre Jordan shouldn't play another minute, okay? It was in, It was a layup line. When he was in the game, he brings nothing to the table. Offensively, he should not see the floor again for the rest of the series unless there is some serious Philadelphia 76ers foul trouble. He should not see the floor again. Simple as that. In his 17 minutes that he played, he was minus 22. The 76ers were much better off going small. You know, in the first half, it was a game. They were playing Reed at center. When he played center in the first half, they were plus 7. When they played with no center in the first half, they were plus 9. Okay, Philadelphia? The answer is there, okay? That's what they have to do. They need to go small, run Miami up and down the court, try and take Bam out of bio out of the game if you can, and that's, that's, that's what you're going to have to do, okay, Doc Rivers? And he made a statement after the game where he said something like, "We, I like DeAndre Jordan, so we're going to keep playing DeAndre Jordan. No matter what you say, no matter what you think, we're going to play DeAndre Jordan. Well, Doc Rivers... If you do that, I'm gonna have no choice. I'm no longer gonna call you Doc Rivers. I'm gonna call you Patient Rivers because you're like I just I, I I can't okay. And I just Doc Rivers man, like he he did the whole thing, you know, a few weeks ago where he like defended his coaching resume and he talks about like how great of a coaching job he did in Orlando and why he blew his three one leads and all this other kind of stuff. And like, sure, that's great, but then again, like you you find the answer in game one. Like, go back, you look at the box score, you see, oh wow, we were great with DeAndre Jordan off the floor. We were great when we went small, and then coming out and saying, oh, no, we're going to play him anyway. That's that's ignorant. It's annoying. Yeah, let's let's move on to Miami. I don't even want to think about the 76ers right now. Miami, they just did what Miami does, right? They have so many guys who can pick up the slack if someone doesn't play great. Like, Jimmy Butler wasn't very good in game one. 5 of 16 from the field. Just didn't shoot it very well. But Tyler Hero coming in off the bench, he scored 21. Bam Adebayo, I believe, scored 24. He was really big for them. And... Yeah, and this is like, this is what they do, right? Like, someone doesn't play well, well, that's okay, because they've got another guy who just so happens to step up and play and play well. So, that's just what they do. They play great defense, as they always do. And, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what the series looks like when Embiid comes back for Game 3, just because that's when it's really going to become a series, right? When we actually get to see Spolstra do what he does in terms of his coaching ability, and it's just going to completely alternate the way that we look at this series. Now moving on. To the Warriors and the Grizzlies game. This is the most entertaining game. I think that we're going to see. Just in general. I mean it's. Or not game. Series excuse me. Just because there's so many shot makers. So many guys who can get a bucket. So many good defenders. Like it's. It's popcorn right. It is. The young guys trying to take it from the old guys. Right. This, we see this every few years. And It's fun. And here's the thing, though. Like, from a Golden State perspective, I'm I'm feeling great. Like, if I'm Memphis, I'm worried after game one because the Warriors' most reliable options didn't play well, and they won. So, like, if I'm Golden State, like, I'm feeling great. Okay, Curry and Thompson both got into foul trouble early, and they weren't really able to separate in the first half talking about Memphis, right? Like, when Curry and Thompson don't play their normal minutes – you need to take advantage of that and expand on your lead, right? So Curry and Thompson, they they get into foul trouble early. And Memphis just never really capitalized, right? Like Jordan Poole came in off the bench, did a great job of keeping the ship afloat. Draymond Green was big in the first half, keeping the ship afloat. So they go into halftime, only down by six, which is more than manageable when you're bringing out you know Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. You know, I think that game is very different if Memphis had been able to push it out to 10 or 12 at halftime as opposed to just 6. And then, you know, Draymond Green gets ejected. I don't want to go into whether or not it was a flagrant 2 or not. Doesn't matter. It's in the past. Who cares? And so it looks like Memphis should win, right? Like, you go into halftime, and if you're a Memphis fan, like, you're feeling good, right? The defensive anchor is out. Curry, Thompson haven't really got it going yet. You're feeling good. And that's the other thing, too, like... Curry and Thompson, neither one of them played their normal amount of minutes. Thompson only played 31. Curry only played 37. So neither one of them even played 40 minutes like they usually would. And, yeah, so if I'm Golden State, I'm feeling really good. Clay Thompson didn't shoot well. Only 3 of 10 from 3. Obviously, you know, he hit the biggest shot of the night. But they can play a lot better than what they did, and they were still able to pull out the victory. And Memphis... I don't really know how to feel about them after game 1 because there's a part of me that you know just thinks that there's some room for for improvement but at the same time is there enough room for improvement that they can win the series? I don't think that there is. Okay, so let's just let, let's look at this. Job ja played great. Okay, I don't think John Merrick can play much better than what he did, right? And then on top of that, Jaron Jackson Jr. definitely can't play any better than what he did. Right, he was six and nine from three, scored thirty three points, was extremely impactable impactful on the defensive end as he always is. Right. Like that's why he had a chance to win defensive player of the year this year. You know, so Jaron Jackson Jr. can't play any better. Now, Bain and Brooks can both play way better than what they did, but they're doing so much defensively, having to guard Curry and Thompson and Poole and chase them all over the floor that I think it'd be unreasonable to think that they put up their normal Offensive numbers just because they're having to exert so much energy to play defense now that being said like combined They were six of 26 from the field and three of 13 from three They won't be that bad again. I I doubt that they'll be that bad again and But at the same time like I don't think we're going to see them combine Like 50 points on like a regular basis or anything like that so and on top of that like when curry and thompson play their normal minutes, I just don't think Brooks and Bain playing to their normal level is going to be enough to move the needle when Curry and Thompson play to their normal level, right? So, that, that that series is going to be a lot of fun. It's definitely going to go six. might Might even go seven, but I'm very confident in Golden State and their ability to pull that series out. You know, experience wins, and, you know, it's this old thing where, you know, in order to end up where you want to be, you have to lose so that you can learn. And that's just this thing that we see in the NBA where these young teams, they come in, everybody thinks that they're ready, and they're just like a year early, right? And so they lose to the Warriors or LeBron loses to the Spurs in the finals or, you know, whatever you want to go back and look at. Michael Jordan couldn't get by the Pistons. And so there's like this learning process of how to win in the playoffs. It happens every year. That's what I think this is going to be for Memphis. And yeah, so... I, I I like the Warriors in that series probably in, in six or seven. And now I have to talk about my my Dallas Mavericks. And I was gonna do this pod last night, but after the game, I just I, I couldn't. I was a little upset for obvious reasons. And yeah, I just man, I, I went into this series thinking that Dallas had a shot to win the series just because like they have Luca and they shot the ball really well in the first round and Jalen Brunson played great. And Spencer Dinwiddie, like he's gonna get it going, you know. And I had all these thoughts and all these hopes. And then we played game one, and it did not help my thoughts at all. And yeah, like Phoenix, they just they respond like no one else. They answered every single one of Dallas's runs with a run of their own. They open the game on a 9-0 run, and then Luca and Maxi Kleba do everything they can just, like, to hold on to the rope and, like, keep them in the game, right? So Dallas scored 23 points in the first quarter. Luka and Kleba combined for 21 of those points. I mean, oh, man, it was just – it was rough. And then in the second quarter, Dallas kind of gets it going, and they cut it down to four. And I'm like, here we go. Like, this is – this is it. This is the run. You know, we're probably going to take the lead, and then we'll be back and forth the rest of the game. That is not what happened. So with about four or five minutes left, Dallas cuts it to four. And then Phoenix was like, okay, that's cool. And then, boom, they're up by 10. It's halftime. And and then in the second half, they just – Phoenix took Dallas out behind the woodshed and just beat the snot out of them. I mean, they just – I mean, it was an absolute slaughter. Phoenix absolutely dominated. Okay, they got the lead up to 20 early in the fourth quarter. I turned it off at that point. Thought it was over. Came in here to the studio to record, you know, the sports updates for, for the radio station and – Oh man, like Phoenix, you know, lets their foot off the gas in the fourth. Dallas makes a comeback and they have like this last second cry where it's like, you know, if Phoenix misses a couple free throws, then like maybe, you know, we can still game one. And then, you know, Devin Booker iced it and that was it. And I mean, look, like, it was just rough. Okay. DeAndre Ayton absolutely dominated Dallas's front line. Um, Dallas doesn't really have a true center. And I I what I'm really scared of is this is gonna push Dallas to trade for Rudy Gobert. And if they do that, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose it. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. And I hope that that's not what happens. But CP3 did CP3 things. Devin Booker did what Devin Booker does. And Phoenix was just, they're so imposing, and their ability to respond to runs is really impressive and what I think makes them so tough. And the only thing that... Phoenix really has to figure out is, how do we stop Luka? Because he did have 45, 12, and 8, and he did shoot 50% from the field. And, yeah, so I just, if you're Phoenix, like, you feel really good after game one. If you're Dallas, I mean, you kind of have, like, this glimmer of hope of, well, they don't have anyone who can guard Luka. We know that. And, which isn't really surprising after seeing what Luka did to the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And not saying that, like, Mikhail Bridges isn't as good of a defender as those guys. I just think that those guys' body types, in terms of how thick they are, they're better suited to guard Luka, whereas, <clears throat> you know, Luka can kind of bully Chris Paul and Bridges just because they're not as strong as he is. But that's kind of—that's that's beside the point. So, so yeah, so Dallas needs Brunson, Brunson and Dinwiddie to play like Brunson and Dinwiddie, right? Like— Brunson has got to get two feet in the paint. That's where he was really effective in that jazz series. He'd get inside and he could kick or, you know, he just kind of like loves that little left-handed floater, right? When he can go left and he gets 10 to 12 feet away from the basket, that's where he's at his best. He didn't get to that spot at all in game one. Spencer Dinwiddie just continues to shoot terribly from three or just in general, right? Like he only took eight shots in 30 minutes. He only made three of them. He has got to be better, even if it's just hitting open shots. Like, we don't need him to be a shot creator. We just need you to make the open ones, man. And, you know, he's just been in a shooting slump the entire playoffs. Uh, He needs to break out of it for Dallas to have a shot. I mean, there's really no other way to put it, and I'm doing my best to not overreact after game one, but it just doesn't look great for Dallas. The good news, though, is, let's be honest, Dallas fans, you weren't expecting to win this series, and you shouldn't have expected to win this series. But you're going to learn two things. We're going to learn two things about this Mavericks team. First thing we're going to learn is how good of a coach is Jason Kidd, right? What adjustments is he going to make from game to game to give Dallas a shot? And we're going to learn that extremely quickly, especially here in game two. And then we're also going to learn, like, is Jalen Brunson the number two? Like, can, can he be the number two guy? And we're going to learn that, I think, really quickly as well. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Uh, I'll be back with Zach Gray either on, I believe, on Friday. Um, we're going to break down just everything that's kind of gone on in the playoffs, Game 2s, things like that. So I'm going to go home, check out Game 2 of this Boston and Milwaukee series, and then Game 2 of the Warriors and the Grizzlies. So can't wait to get into it on the next pod. And, yeah, so that's going to do it here, once again, at Shooting the Schmidt. Make sure you follow on Twitter at jschmidt underscore four and... Yeah, so I'll be back again on Friday with Zach Gray with another great podcast for you all.